0: Hello and welcome everyone to another Martial Arts Journey podcast. So this time I will be talking to Danny Tamblyn. So he is a fourth degree Jiu-Jitsu black belt, uh, as I if I remember well enough, a uh, fourth degree Judo black belt. And uh, so he spent pretty much all his life training martial arts, and uh, he also competed. He also did some striking arts. So, so definitely a very rounded. Very rounded martial artist or um, uh, combat sports practitioner, but besides all of that, well, another important point is he is an active police officer and he teaches uh, some of the courses of self defense for years now to the police force in in UK. And uh, with all that, uh, what's the the meeting point for what was the meeting point for me and for Danny? He is an official spear instructor, but not not only like instructing spear, but but he's the train the trainer. Uh, he's on Tony Blowers, founder of Spears. Um, mo- I think it's called like the mobile team, mobile tra- instructors team. I just can't coin the name right now exactly, but basically, he is officially uh, given the uh, the role to to help uh, Tony Blauer spread Spear by teaching other instructors. And when I went to the course in Scotland, uh, there was Danny and uh, also Dan Shaw. They, they were my two instructors and they were so good. It was, it was really, really good. They really, they really got me. They really understood my process, what I'm going through. And uh, they were able to give me so many answers that I was looking for uh, that ever since then, uh, me and Danny kept in contact. Also, because I'm I am an official Spear PDR. Uh, that's uh, PDR is for training civilians, not not army, not police, uh, not instructors, just civilians. So I'm a Spear PDR instructor right now, officially, and I'm teaching a class regularly and uh, just connecting up with the whole community and keeping in touch uh, with Danny. And we had so many great contacts, so many great conversations that I just thought, okay, you know what? I need people to. To, to hear him because it, it is so good whatever he has to share and also why and how you may know him i published a presented a video of me working with him uh with a knife uh it was actually filmed during the spearing course uh, during the spear course uh where i think the video is called does Aikido work or Aikido need to work with spear and Danny just presented some concepts of how to adapt some principles of the spear, and where Aikido could kick in. And the video got some, some, some great, great results, great feedback. People, most people, really liked it, and uh, and also it had quite, quite a few viewers. People were interested to see it, but also, obviously, as always, <laughs> I'm obviously used to that. There were some negative comments uh or just must, I, I proportionally there weren't so many in my experience but but they were just there was just confusion people you know it's like a 10 minute video and there's only that much you can say and some people misunderstood the message of danny and and as we connected up we said no we, we should we should address that we should we should talk about that and expand on that and kind of look at how we can clarify what was exactly given there what was presented there and just in general just to to share more knowledge and wisdom about self-defense, and so that's why and how this podcast came to be. It's a fairly fresh one. Finally, I'm uh, up to date. I'm not publishing. I'm not publishing podcasts from half a year ago or a year ago. Uh, I recorded this just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm very excited to share it with you. So it's a long one, but I think it's definitely it, it is definitely worth listening to, and I think it won't take too much of your time. You can listen to it in two times. <laughs> But anyway, so I'm excited to share that with you. Here's uh, Danny Tamlin and myself talking about good stuff. So enjoy. OK, so I'll say another formal <laughs> for the video. Hello, good to see you and good to have see you here. Too. Thank you very much for, for, for being open for this, for this uh, talk. I'm really excited about it. And uh, so we know each other a mm-hmm. bit. Uh, but obviously, most people who will be listening to this uh, will have the first chance to get to know you. So maybe you could start with a bit of your background. Um, OK. Um, like, like not martial arts background, mainly, primarily. or But it can be anything. Anything you know? you're in for.
1: So, um, uh, I started uh, martial arts training. When I was eight years old in hmm. judo. I did judo for maybe 20, 25 years, up to third down. Mm. Um, when I was 17, uh, I got my first down in judo, and I thought I'd broaden my horizons a little. So I started in jiu-jitsu and then uh, a little bit of kickboxing. Mm. just to, um, Not totally massive standard in kickboxing, just to try and supplement my, my striking ability in jiu-jitsu, really. Um, and I kind of found my home, I guess, with jiu-jitsu, and I've been practicing that ever since, really, the only sort of martial art, I guess, that I I follow now or or train in. Uh, So I'm currently a fourth down in Jiu-Jitsu in um, the Taijutsu Kai Association in the UK. Um, My, I suppose, main interest in Jiu-Jitsu is the practical applications of it. So I've had a a background in competing, so I was the British Jiu-Jitsu champion on three occasions, competed at the World Games on a couple Mm of occasions, won a few gold medals. Uh, back in 2006, 2007, around that time. Mm. But my main interest is practical application of jujitsu, which is probably part of that is uh, developed through the spear system, it, it's a big mm. part of the spear system. Another part through my work with the police. Right.
0: So a few, a few moments to just take a quick look at. Uh, so because people will probably have some, some of the distant listeners will have no idea about your background. So. Uh, you are involved in uh, in police as a police officer as well.
1: Uh, That's correct, yeah. So, so um, I would presume for many years. Yeah, so just short of 21 years. So I, I joined the police in 97 when I was 21. Mm. So it was, this is my 21st year. Mm. Um, spent a large percentage of that time involved in teaching personal safety or uh, self-defense to the police. Mm. Um, which is partly from my background in martial arts coming into it. Uh, I had a, a long period of time about fourteen years as a public order trainer. Um, uh, I was about seven and a half, maybe eight years as the lead for personal safety. So I was the guy who wrote programs, trained our trainers, mm. and kind of uh, ran all our self defence training for my police service. And then I had five five years six years on armed response, um, and a few couple of years as a firearms trainer and a close protection officer. And then most recently, the last couple of years, I've been in an unarmed post, uh, having been promoted. So I, I, supervisor, I used to supervise a team, and now I'm uh, more so admin-based, really looking more at strategic strategic uh, considerations for the running of a, a local section. I still have involvement with personal safety, but um, not so much as I used to. It's not my main role, but I need to stretch anymore. Right.
0: There's a lot of questions which spring from me from that, but uh, just before I go ahead, uh, we talked also before... Recording about um, just mentioning your your instructors, or do you want to do that later as as we go more into your story, or what do you prefer? I don't,
1: I don't know, whichever fits best for really. I mean, um, in terms of my background, I guess I was very fortunate. My when I was uh, a child, when I started judo at eight, my instructor was a, a guy called Andy Jones, who's um I suppose not a name on the judo scene or martial arts scene, I guess, but an excellent, absolutely excellent instructor. Um, he gave me a fantastic foundation to to build on. Um very patient, very technical, um, just a, a great judo player and a great coach. I still remember a lot of the lessons that he taught me. I still pass on that, that same methodology when I'm teaching certain throwing aspects and such like in Jiu-Jitsu. Um, then I suppose the, the two people who have had the biggest influence on me uh, in martial arts and self-defense, I mean, martial arts purely is a, a gent called Ross Sianacaro, who is um, uh, the the founder of Taijutsu Khan in the UK, uh, very well-regarded jiu in in uh, the United Kingdom renowned throughout Europe. Um, the European representative of Sokofu Montanaka from the Kodanenshin-Ru in Japan, um, one of the founders or the the pioneers of uh, mixed martial arts in the UK through the grappling strike uh, mm-hmm. process. Uh, the first guy, not a lot of people know this, but the first guy to bring the Gracie family to the UK mm-hmm. um, back in the 90s. He brought Carly Gracie over. Um, and a real a kind of renaissance man i guess um he's very well versed, uh, versed in Kourou and kabudo um but equally um modern progressive contemporary um, in terms of uh, self defense um, mm. my my ma- main influence is uh, uh, Tony cory the sphere system mm. founder of the sphere system should i say um you know if i were to you know, if you could you could take out from my head um, mm. everything that I'd learned from Tony Blower in relation to self defense and anything that he would either directly indirectly influenced consciously subconsciously I would not have a great deal to say uh, in terms of self defense I don't think so mm. if i um, if I generally speak in this chat and if I quote anyone it's probably Tony Blower that I'm quoting unless I specifically say otherwise he's a huge influence uh, in my mind the world's uh, leading self-defense expert by a, a country mile. Um, and again, I'm very fortunate of being able to train with Coach Blauer for th- It's my 13th year. Um, so I'm uh, very fortunate to be keeping some great company and standing on some very big shoulders, I think.
0: Right. So this actually nicely leads into the next question uh, I had in mind. So, so since we know each other uh, already a bit, uh, I heard bits and pieces about your story and you mentioned a bit about how you were drawn into spear or how you became inspired about the spear system uh spear self-defense system hopefully most listeners by now know what we are talking about but if not i'm I'm sure they'll get the picture of what Spear is as we talk but then so my question is goes like this you were practicing uh judo uh, a well respected functional martial art it's not like it wasn't like Tai Chi or or in my case, Aikido. Uh, your Jujitsu sounds very functional as well. Uh, I mean, you did competition and uh, you did striking lessons. So all of those things, which a lot of people feel like, oh, that's perfectly enough for self-defense. Uh, but yet uh, you became inspired about spear. And, and, and as you mentioned, that defines your self personal safety and, and self-defense understanding or your inspiration mostly is based on spear. So, could you say how that happened? Why why did that happen?
1: Um, I think I'd, I'd always consider myself to be an open-minded person, so uh, mm-hmm. I can always see the, the benefit in certain practices. And I think one of the benefits of Jiu Jitsu is that it, it covers so many areas, whether it's standing on the ground, uh, armed, unarmed, uh, striking, locking, choking, etc., etc. So it's it's quite a, it's a mixed. So if take other systems and the methodologies and make use of them. Um, you, know, if you see a tactic somewhere, anything like that, you, you can make that part of your jujitsu. Um, in 2005, uh, in my role as a, a police personal safety trainer, I was, um, the opportunity to go on a spear course. Um, I think, um, for me, it, it was quite a like an epiphany, really. it. um. It raised a huge amount of questions I didn't realise I had in my head about perhaps martial arts and self-defence because they are different. Martial arts and self-defence are different. Um, and it also answered an awful lot of questions that I knew I had. And uh, I just, I, I don't know, I think um, it, it spoke to me in, so, in many ways in, in terms of the, the scientific process. I like uh, I like things that make me like them with no trying, if you like. I don't want to have to try too hard to, to force myself to like something. And I, I mm. can't cop. The Spear system straight away. Um, and it, I did an awful lot of research into it when I came home. So I, I, I was very fortunate. In 2005, Tony Blauer was the, the guy teaching the course. So a massive wealth of knowledge. Um, I just came back and threw myself into it. Did an awful lot of research, uh, a lot of practice. So I was very, very lucky, I guess, that at the time um, I had access to over a thousand cops to teach. Mm. So I, I um, you know, in terms of running a, like, a class. Uh, I was getting I was a thousand barrels of coaching a year. Um, made quite a few mistakes, a few less desirable approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been fortunate since then to carry on with the spear system. And specifically to answer that question you know, with all that martial arts background, why the spear system? The two things aren't mutually exclusive. It's not spear or martial arts. But I just appreciate that regardless of how much I train, um, at the core, uh, I'm a human being. and there are certain things that I'm predisposed to in terms of um, my body's reaction to unexpected stimuli. Um, I know how the human body works uh, through the sphere system under pressure. Um, and for me, the sphere system is, trying to explain it as those two seconds before the fight starts. So it was, for me, it was a real eye you know, to how I get access to my skills. You skills. Know, I'm not walking around as the embodiment of some jujitsu practitioner. When I'm not expecting it, how do I access those skills? So I was always comfortable that you know, if you and I face each other and I've got a stance and I've got – there's only so many ways you can attack me, I'm reasonably comfortable I could do something. Um, but part of that came from a sport mindset. Um, part of that came from a jiu-jitsu mindset because, like most martial arts, a jiu-jitsu guy attacks another jujitsu guy using jujitsu. Um, same with Aikido karate. You move in a certain way and the bad guy moves in a certain way. Right. That doesn't happen in real life. Um, so it just gave me a chance to say, well, actually, how can I make my jujitsu more alive? How can I make it more um, uh, appropriate to life situations? Mm. Um, and also, more importantly, this is the big thing, is recognizing that uh, there's an awful lot of self-defense which has got nothing to do with uh, the physical realm. And that just doesn't mean, So, it doesn't just mean be spiritual. Because lots of martial arts claim to improve awareness and oh. such Mm-hmm. and I they do quite frankly um, unless you specifically practice it and understand human movement and that is what um, I've got by Tony Blair and System. I understand how bad guys move not how good guys move which is important to us.
0: Right all right that's that, that's a nice quote by the way. Um, so one thing I'm very much interested to ask in, in terms of what you said um, but it depends if, if if that's not necessarily the best topic the, the, top, the subject you want to discuss Then let me know we can Easily cut it out. Uh, but you mentioned about those mistakes uh, you did, as if, if I understood correct. Like as while well, you were as an instructor, why I'm asking because I, I went through that for for I guess a similar experience, probably which must much less weight. But ooh, as many people know from my channel, doing Aikido for so many years, I had this impression. Oh yeah, I, I know kind of what self defense is. I never considered myself an expert, but but I, I gave myself the privilege uh, if the need would arise for people would ask me, okay, can you give us a, a self-defense class? I was like, oh yeah. Okay. And I would try to do my best and, and I would believe in it somewhat. But later when I by by today, when I know what self-defense much more better, what self-defense is and what self-defense is not, I was, I realized, oh wow, <laughs> that was not a very good class. I didn't do so well actually. Uh, so Is that similar, what you meant by,
1: or or, are you open to to talk about that? Yeah, sure, to an extent. So, I mean, generically, you only know what you know. So Mm. um, if you went to a boxer and asked them to teach you self-defense, they're going to teach you punching and evasion and footwork. They're not going to teach you how to fight on the ground. They're not going to teach you how to make effective use of your legs as weapons. Similarly, Mm -hmm. if you spoke to, say, a BJJ guy on average, um, they're going to talk an awful lot about on the ground. They're not going to be so conversant with stand up or, or striking I appreciate exceptions but as a generic rule um yeah, sure. and that's the same with anything you, you, you naturally any human beings naturally default to their their degree of expertise um or their, the area of most comfort I guess so there was there is an element of that I guess um in my practice I, I'd never tried to um get my students to do what I did because I was wary of the fact that you know you do martial arts for 20 years you can't distill that into a day's class that's not realistic mm-hmm my background in martial arts gave me good depth of knowledge in terms of the, the technical applications. But after I did my first spear course in 2005, I started mm. integrating small elements of it to my groups mm. and got some great results. Um, not just like some, some of the data statistically, but also anecdotally some of the, the um, you, know, you could see the students getting it. you could see how they'd actually apply it. Um, you know, and any experienced coach can do that. You can see when people, the way people move. Um, but it wasn't until I did my second course in 2008 but I realised that actually a lot of the stuff I was doing wasn't quite as good as it should be. I wasn't teaching spear as well as I, I could do. And like most things, you know, if you, if you we always say a spear course, what do, you, what do you do next? What's the next level? We'll, we'll come back and do another spear course. And it sounds like a sales pitch, but it, it's not intended to be. And again, my
0: mm.
1: um, I, I have a, a significant conscious bias towards the spear system. I'm well aware of the fact that I'm massively biased towards it. And naturally, people say, you know, you, well you're the guy wearing the spear T-shirt. And you're the guy who teaches some, you know one of the guys who teaches courses on behalf of Tony Blauer my buy-in is entirely based on the fact that I've seen the results so it makes sense to me I know that personally for me it worked but I've seen the results it's had I went back again in 2008 and did a few more courses after that and then was lucky enough to be asked to assist teaching the courses and then just you know one of the people maybe running the courses I guess that um, I progressed even further down that, that uh, rabbit hole if you like peeled the onion a bit a bit deeper a few more layers mm. um, but everyone's going to have less desirable practice if you don't invest in, in material um, and I, I had no one to point out to me that what I was doing wasn't quite um, as appropriate or mm. uh, as desirable and same with the, some of the, the theory and again you, as you see the theory is huge in the sphere system understanding why we do it not just the, the physical moves it's not until you you do more of it, you understand it. I can honestly say every single course I do, I understand more. I taught a course uh, for the police um, about within the last month. I had a few light bulb moments then teaching the material. I've taught this stuff loads of times, but there's a few little bits. I thought I'd get that even more now. Here's a different angle for me to consider it from kind of metaphorically speaking. And that really, really, it does help. Um, But if you just do the one course and it's like, I'm done, let me collect another certificate. Then you can have a nice, well-rounded CV, but it doesn't really what you do. You know, it's like um, if I if I get a, uh, a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu, if I go over to a hapkido class, I'm going to pick up the moves much faster, and I get a black belt on that. I just go to aikido and I get a black belt on that. And next thing you know, you're off. You know, I'm a guy with twelve black belts, and they're all primarily in the same moves. I've got no depth of knowledge. or don't understand mm-hmm. you know, as, as well as I could. It's just collecting diplomas. Collect, yeah, collecting accolades if you like. It doesn't really mean right. it.
0: You mentioned results and police uh, mm. uh, when you implemented Spear. so you mentioned it in this talk and also mm. I remember very well the numbers you mentioned in the course uh, they were very impressive so could you could you say a few words about that? Like what changed? Sure. So, um,
1: part of my, my job was to um, review injury data so uh, anytime a police officer is injured they they send a, an injury on duty form to our health and safety department, and then they would feed that back to us, you know, to say, you know, if, if and it is is a made-up stat, but you know, if like 50% of all injuries to police officers were from headbutts, what training are we doing to try and mitigate that and try to stop it from happening? Mm-hmm. Um so I'd I'd review the injury data and that'd be part of a training needs analysis to inform what we teach police officers. So for example, if again is is made this is made up, but if, if police officers never fight on the floor, I'm not gonna put in a a significant ground fighting package because mm-hmm. the evidence base suggests that it's not needed. Um, I'm, not, you know, I'm not saying that's the case, but it's just an example. Sure. Uh, so the first year that we had the spear system, we started noticing some results. And then 2007, 2008, we didn't just teach spears like a, a block, if you like, by that I mean like a section. So like, you know, you do an hour of handcuffing, an hour of spear. This The spear system became the, the foundation. If you look at like, a pyramid, if you like the, the, the base level became the spear system. So everything we did was either based around spear drills or more importantly, the system. So a lot of people look at the spear and go, we, we've got that, um, that block, that that's, that move. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And yeah, the spear system is the study of human movement as it relates to violence, fear and aggression. The spear tactic is efficient use of the forearms within that system. So the forearms are massively versatile and a fantastic tool, You know, like a crowbar. You can peel people away with it, you can strike with it. Um, that's just a tiny part it's the tip of an iceberg or tip of a spear, if you like excuse the joke um the the key for us was understanding how human beings move how bad guys move and we integrated that into everything we did so 2007 2008 was the first year that we introduced it but within a year um we noticed uh, a significant reduction in Head injuries and overall injuries to bodies. So I forget the exact numbers, but it would say like 20 30 mm-hmm. percent. But when we started to look a bit more deeply um, and break the data down, um, you could see that our arm injuries had doubled, and our head injuries had halved. Mm. So what is it we're doing that not only stops cops from getting hurt, it gets their arms hit instead of their heads. I think, well, right. that's the spear system. Um, mm. Now, since uh, since that occurred, um, I've studied evidence-based practice at postgraduate level, so I'm able to look back at it. We, we gathered a bit more academically, if you like, um, and consider the counterfactuals. You know what? What was the difference? Is it because you know injuries went down because we had 500 more cops and everyone was given tasers, and, and that, that just didn't happen. You know, that, uh, the, the police force that I worked that I worked for was historically one of the worst funded in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't because of massive investment in money mm. it wasn't because you know we were training for, you know, 500 days a year you know <laughs> it just wasn't, mm. it wasn't the case so um, we carried on looking at the data and what basically transpired is my police service conducted the world's first independent research into uh, the integration of the spear system into a defensive tactics program and the results mm. so over a five year period um, our operational injuries to police officers went down by fifty percent mm. um, when you you get senior officers kind of questioning why is that you've got less police officers And think actually yes a good point we have got less police officers but we've got like 15-20% less officers 50% less injuries is it because you're arresting less people we have different ways of dealing with offenders so it might be that sometimes historically you'd have arrested somebody whereas now you might issue them a ticket and again the data doesn't add up so 50% reduction in injuries again I can't think the data maybe like a 20% reduction in arrests however Arrests for assault, police went up. Mm. So more people, you know, we were arresting people because we had no choice to. Um, and again, important to point out the difference between arrest, uh, sorry, assault and injury. Um, assault statistics don't in, don't bother me, not really. If every single police officer in the UK gets assaulted, uh, that doesn't bother me. It's the injuries they receive. So an assault right. could be a touch. Yeah, yeah I can, that sounds as a, a soundbite. Danny Tamlin doesn't care if cops get assaulted, that's that's not what I mean. It's the results, it's the injuries that matter matter. So if someone said to me you had 10 injury or 10 assaults last year, they were slight reddening to the skin, I don't mind too much. If you said you had five injuries and they're all broken legs, that's a massive concern. So um I didn't think much of it beyond the fact that you know this is great data and it works. Um again, when the spear system talks about how human beings move when the talk about primary initiation attacks, how things like bear hugs, tackles, haymaker punches are the most common causes of injuries to people. That matched our data. It said the same thing. So I'll probably mention the course one day. I was in a, on a, a course um, in a hotel waiting for the course to start the next day, and uh, Tony Blower was staying at the same hotel. So I kind of politely said hi and you know, looking forward to the course. And he's um, one of these people that always remembers you. So you only seen me once, and of course, two or three years previously, and he said, oh, uh, how's the competing going? So you remember that, I was, I was grappling and uh, competing. And I'm mm-hmm. just said, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Um, and I said, oh, yeah, the spear system's great. And he's like, yeah, I know, I invented it. Just kind of joking. <laughs> I said, we had some great results. And you know, he he kind of goes from that professional politeness to the genuine interest. No, and I started, started saying the figures, you know, like 50% reduction. He's like, oh, wow, that's, that's great how often are you training so six hours he said wow is that like per week or per month but like, no that's per year right <laughs> so his jaw drops like no way and so again it doesn't seem to make sense but when you put your martial arts head on you know if i practiced whatever karate judo jiu go six hours a year would that help me probably not and the fact was people were doing what they wanted to do as human beings, but they were doing it faster, more efficiently. They were, you know, their arms were getting hit, their heads weren't. Um, someone suggested, was oh, that because you're just going out and all your cops are just like assaulting people at a really early stage in a confrontation inappropriately? Um, if that was the case, we were getting more complaints. Our complaints for use of force went down 60% in the same period. So we're not allowing the incident to get too far out of hand. Uh, and that became uh, a study that went all around the world. Um, it's been used by the police military corrections uh, throughout the uk europe and across the states so i'm hugely proud of really that the um you know, my goal as a, a martial artist as a, a personal safety trainer as a spear coach is to try and further tony Blau's vision which is to make the world safer for good people um and it's something that sounds terribly arrogant sometimes but you know, what a a great result it makes you wonder how many of those people are going home to their families who might not have done or gone, gone home whole when they m- might have been physically emotionally psychologically damaged so um all credit to tony Blauer for coming up with the idea you know i'm just a cover band that played the notes that you gave me if you like
0: well, oh you know, cover, cover covers can sometimes be really good <laughs> they don't not they, they're not not necessarily worse than the song itself uh, but anyway uh, that aside uh the numbers are really impressive. I mean, when I heard them, and obviously, I don't want to stick to just numbers. I mean, sure. I, I'm also, I have to say, I'm, I'm very much uh, becoming consciously biased uh, about Spear from my experience and from my intellect. Mm-hmm. But then uh, the numbers still are are great to have that as a rep- reference point. And for me, as I went from this kind of non-questioning mind to the questioning mind, I realized that da- data uh, can be important uh, to see it's it, oftentimes we and I, admit, I saw this in martial arts myself or or in some self-defense versions somebody comes up with an idea it's not necessarily even pressure tested or it works for that person like uh, a man teaching women mm-hmm. something that a big man would do and then he's like oh it works you know I tried it it's like well okay it worked for you but then how can we know it's it's really working for others so to have that kind of Mm, statistic is is really really great and and very encouraging even even if a person is looking just at that
1: although I think just absolutely and again someone said that once that you know it's, it's easy to lie with statistics but it's easier to lie without them um, and again the data that I've gathered I've not gathered the data in the sense of I've not made the numbers up people have given me the data and in terms of interpretation there's only so many ways you can interpret it um, yeah, know, try to consider all the counterfactuals. And I have to be honest, just as a human being, I guess, as the years have gone by, when another, I think another counterfactual comes in, you think, oh, I'm hoping this doesn't disprove anything. or I'm hoping this doesn't turn things on its head because I've, I've kind of invested, I guess, into it. But um, sure. when you look at it now, uh, again, I'm, um, having done some academic work in, into that sort of field, uh, it all stands, um, it stands up. And you know, someone said to me once, it's, it's, it's I find frustrating when um, people comment on things that they don't understand. So, for example, someone said, uh, your study's out of date. This was 2007, 2008 to 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, You think the theory of relativity is still kind of relevant. The theory of gravity is still kind of relevant. Um, (laughs) Unless uh, society dramatically changes in terms of, let's say, every single person is armed with a knife and a gun, that would change the way we work self-defense again you know, the way that samurai moved is different to now because everyone's not carrying a sword mm-hmm. um you know, so it's a culture if unless things change that data will be valid for years time you know unless something dramatically changes in society um or until a, another study is done of interest actually there, there is another police service in the uk who has used the sphere system as the base of their dt program and the early indication of the first two two years i think is that they're getting uh results almost identical to ours uh, which is quite noticeable um Anecdotally, as well, this is important. Uh, the The view of a an experienced practitioner counts in terms of evidence based practice. You know, if if I said to you, you know, what's your view of this um, this move in Aikido, and your you know, your experience counts. Um, now something I noticed that when you teach complex motor skills to people, any any group over a short period of time, okay. their ability might get better and better progressively through a session or through a day. But if you pressure test it at the end of that session, it doesn't usually look very good and it goes to rats the spear system um because it's based on the reactive part of your brain so the bit that bypasses your cognition your your, your that airbag metaphor that is genius that tony Blair came up with you know that when a car hits another an, an object the airbag airbag deploys that's your start or flinch mechanism um to try and get someone to do that cognitively in certain moves when they train is difficult we found that people actually performed better in the pressure testing than they did in the lack of pressure, if you like, because yeah. their, their instincts took over and they moved much more instinctively. Right. And that, that was, again, a huge observation. Um, you could see the way people moved, the feedback you got from people. You know, cops are cynical people. Um, they, you know, the martial artists train and train and train and never fight. Not real fighting, I'm not talking about sport. Um, police officers very rarely train, but they fight quite frequently. Um, I, I say fight in terms of uh, low levels quite often, you know, basic confrontation, uh, which is part of the, the role uh, that the duty requires. Um, but you can see that, you know, the feedback they're giving, why don't we have this before? This is great. This makes sense. It's so it's easy to do. It's not some technical complex martial arts move, which it was always the case in the police service. If you look at the, the police manual, in most countries, it bears a great deal of resemblance to basic jujitsu syllabus. In terms of and you recognize that from aikido as a uh, aikido being derived from Jujitsu in, in mm. certain elements um you know that the commonality of movement You can only twist a wrist so many ways you can only twist or bend an arm so many ways And sure. sure. um, you know historically the police in the uk were taught a mix of aikido and judo mm. back sort of 20 25 years ago mm. um yeah you know, the, the moves work technically uh, applying them tactically is another matter whereas you know cops that are doing the spirit system are saying hey this this is this is great. This works for us. So they're saying it, the training shows it. And most importantly, the results they get in operationally, they show it too. Right.
0: There's definitely one more question I'll want to ask in regards to this subject, but I'll come back to it later. Uh, before that, I want to make sure we touch some main subjects. So, But it's related to actually what you said just at the end. One uh, of the inspirational points for us to to get t- together for this uh, for this podcast, was actually the the video I published already, mm. the one we did, the one we filmed. Well, I was yeah. of course you taught in UK, and the kind of Aikido exploration of how Aikido could come in in a knife defense, uh, yeah. looking for the kind of perspective of spear. And as we discussed online uh, together, there were some comments. You looked and you realized, oh, people are not really getting exactly what what was the
1: message. So maybe we could, uh, you could say a few words about that. Sure. I mean, um, I, I, I kind of briefly scanned the comments because you <laughs> um, you can get far too into that in some ways. Um, the problem with the internet is, you know, the internet doesn't make you stupid. It just makes your stupidity accessible to other people. <laughs> um, I'll remember and, this one. quite often, you know, people... Some people uh, taking those comments as an example, if you like. Um, some of the comments were uh, very intelligent. Um, they were they raised points, queries that if that were a lesson, um, and it was a longer session, would have been brought up and answered in that question. But again, um, it wasn't. That was a six, well, five six minute conversation you I had. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a lesson, um, and it covered a, a tiny snippet. It was just a brief overview. Um, some people are. I don't want to use the word ignorant because it sounds rude or judgmental. It's not intended to be. But some of them, if you haven't seen that filter of uh, the spear system in terms of understanding how human beings move, uh, I can understand why they wouldn't understand a certain principle. Um, Others were kind of idiotic, if I'm really honest. (laughs) (laughs) The the problem problem with the internet, especially like YouTube, and one of the reasons I I won't go on it and comment is because I'm I'm not going to get into a, a... internet battle with somebody who's got the name Ninja Warrior 654. Sure. He's probably some big fat guy stuck in his parents' house who's like a 50-year-old virgin um, in the nicest possible way. Um, I, I don't, there's plenty of people who are way more knowledgeable, way more capable than I am, but um, I don't think that I need to uh, kind of justify my existence based on my, my background and experience. Um, someone described it once like playing chess with a pigeon. At some point during that game, that bird is going to puff his chest out, knock all the pieces over and shit all over the board. (laughs) And you just gotta suck it up. So specifically, some of the points that were made, um, I kind of made a few notes, not in any particular order. Uh, Is there any evidence, video evidence of the spear system working? Hmm. Uh, The answer is yes. Um, uh, The spear system found a a home with the police and military, particularly in the United States. There's an awful lot of uh, body cam footage of cops, which is not really accessible to the mainstream public for obvious reasons. Um, showing spear, the spear system working either in um, uh, the tactic use of the forearms or you know, Tony Blauer gets emails on a weekly basis from a cop saying or military personnel, you never guess what, you know, I did this and this worked. Um, in terms of video evidence, think more broadly about what the spear system is. It's based on how human beings move. Now, the litmus test for self-defense is not what you believe, it's, it's what you see. So it doesn't matter what works in a dojo. It doesn't matter what works when your fellow practitioner moves in a way that you require them to. Um, And it's something that ruined martial arts in some ways for me with the spear system, is watch the role player. Watch the bad guy. Watch the attacker. When you realize that it doesn't matter how good your technique, how good your move is, watch how bad their movement is, how unrealistic their attack is. Um, It doesn't matter what you do. If if no one attacks that way, Then then... it's pointless. What you're doing is pointless. It's it's um it has its benefits if you like, but it's like a dance move. You know, uh, by all means study dance, but just don't expect that to work for you in a fight. You know if that makes sense. The moves. Yeah. So um, look at YouTube as an example and try and find people in real confrontations um, using clean martial arts skills, mm. and you won't uh, find somebody just going batshit crazy fighting for their life, and you'll find a lot of that find people who are you know, fighting against people with guns and knives successfully, just doing whatever comes naturally, hold on for dear life and not die. Um, people do a pretty damn good job of it, um, quite instinctively. So there's an awful lot of video evidence of people just doing what people do. Uh, mm. And you know, that, is, that is something that's, that's pretty powerful, really, um, because you know there are way, way more tra- untrained people who've never had um, any martial arts training whatsoever um, completely unskilled individuals who have survived violent encounters than there will ever be uh, trained martial artists who've been involved in fights. And they're just surviving through sheer, you know, indignation and will. Um, mm-hmm. If Someone right now, as we're talking, is fighting off a violent attacker, a rapist or a mugger, somewhere in the world. And they're not doing it by, you know, blending with the other person's movement or, um, you know, trying to offset their balance or performing a, a multiple strike ca- uh, combination or a lock flow. They're just go and batshit crazy and fight for their dear life. Uh, and that's you know, so the, is there a video evidence? Yes, there is. Um, hmm. Again, I'd encourage people to you know, do their own due diligence, do the research. Um, I've got a couple of things, no particular order. Um, you know, Aikido is 90% a Temi, that's why your Aikido is not using a Temi. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Fine. Um, don't see that in an awful lot of demos for some reason. I can't understand why. Um, but again, look at how the atemi is applied. So an atemi is obviously a strike to a vital area, designed to weaken a person. Um, look at the way that a lot of traditional martial arts that don't involve striking. So, for example, would you traditionally say Aikido is a striking art or Judo is a striking art? No. Um, is the average Aikidoka or Judoka a good striker? Technically, no. No. Um, and again, you, if you can look at the way that they're Again, I'm, I'm being very generic, so mm-hmm. yeah. um, look at the way that the, the bad guy acts, the attacker, they allow the strikes to be put in. Um, it's how it's applied that's, that's, that's relevant. Um, the other one, position for submission. Uh, that's mm-hmm. someone someone suggests. That's, you know, all you suggesting there is position for submission. And it's kind of true, actually. There's an element of that, but um, don't confuse. There's several issues here. Don't confuse submission with subdual. Um, submission is something the person chooses to do subdual is something you you enforce on them so you know bad guys don't always give up you you can put people in a a lock and be bending their arm in all kinds of crazy angles and if they're drug drugged, drunk or just you know a lot of adrenaline going through their body things are more likely to break than they are the person's not going to tap out you know that doesn't happen so much Um, people confuse technical and tactical as well uh, in terms of uh, oh Aikido has you know um footwork taisabaki irimi they're all they're all elements of i don't see those movements in real fights i don't you know, they work in the context of the martial art they're practiced because the other guy allows them to work uh, a good example of this is ukemi breakfalls um they do have a self defense application if you get pushed over but primarily bear in mind that now the way that um we practice our jiu-jitsu or aikido whatever martial art that involves locking and throwing um we are not likely to face a bad guy who tries to pl- put those moves on us. Mm. So the chance of me having to defend myself against an arm lock when the person's trying to throw my arm, uh, throw, sorry, throw me with my arm bent in a certain way or throw me with a wrist turn is highly unlikely. The main reason for practicing breakfalls in martial arts is to allow your partner to practice their move. So you can only apply codification to me as hard and fast as I can breakfall. Otherwise you're going to break me. Mm. Um, and, that has its benefit to you as a practitioner it's like the Tory, if you like if uk breaks the break falls uh, nicely but bad guys don't break fall. so mm-hmm. if you're always used to the guy rolling you know performing a nice circular break fall and landing in a certain position you're going to be shit out of luck when the guy crumples on the floor in a mess and doesn't end up where you want them to mm-hmm. um and it, you practice both you've got to have, have both um someone else uh, give them what they want yeah, that's lovely that's like the disney version uh, of self-defense right like um, if somebody gets points a knife at you yeah um you know as a mugging take what take yeah. what you want in principle yeah i kind of agree so we always work okay. in this system on three d's defect detect diffuse defend detect to avoid um diffuse to de-escalate and then defense so the physical stuff is the last bit if i think that giving the person what they want will uh, Diffuse the situation make me safe of course I will and someone suggested rather than being a hero it's not about being a hero it's about going back to your family this is about surviving an encounter so you know, we have to assume or hope they're a trustworthy mugger you know, if the guy told me give me my you know give me your money and you'll be okay well he seems like a decent guy because he's holding a knife to my throat and he hasn't cut me yet I'll, I'll just agree with him so by all means do that but generally speaking you have to understand that a bad guy wants one of three things your property your body or your life and they don't want it to take too long. They don't want to get caught. They don't want to get hurt. So if you can make any of those three things happen to them and make the first part more difficult, you know what if the guy holds a knife to you in some way and says, give me your money? And you go, okay, just don't hurt me. You don't do anything stupid. You hand the guy the money nice and slowly. And then he says, what else you got? And you're like, dude, I've got nothing. You've got all my money now. That's bullshit. I don't believe you. And, you know The guy's clearly on drugs or he's angry and starts grabbing you and roughing you up and trying to search your pockets and then starts to get a bit more desperate or he says um okay come with me Mm. and starts moving you to a secondary crime scene nothing good is going to happen to you at a secondary crime scene if the bad guy's moving you so we, we if people are happy we'll assume that the only reason we're doing anything physical is because d1 and d2 haven't worked i've got myself in a bad situation my d1 detection skills they weren't there or they weren't sufficient and i can't defuse it i can't make this safer by maneuvering myself away from the situation um, or or talking my way down if that hasn't worked. I think I'm in trouble. That's the only reason we're going to do it. There are certain circumstances where you can't just walk away. And again, someone it run, just run away. That, that's brilliant if you can run faster than them, or if they're not blocking the only exit. How do you run from somebody in a lift? Yeah, how do you run from somebody if you've got your family with you? Hey, as long as you can run faster than your kid, <laughs> you know you're safe. Um, you know it's, it's like running, you know, running from a dangerous dog. As long as I can run faster than my family. Um, You know, your kids are going to get eaten, you're not. Um, So it doesn't kind of, it doesn't really demonstrate an understanding of the psyche of the bad guy. It doesn't really demonstrate, sorry, that question or that thought process doesn't really demonstrate a a real understanding of of violence. Again, I don't profess to be any form of expert, um, but I've been, say, a police officer for nearly 21 years. Um, I know what bad guys do. Um, And on top of that experience, I've studied what bad guys do via uh, you know, Tony Blower's lens in the spear system, if you like, I understand bad mm-hmm. guy behavior. Um, yeah. be, being nice to them doesn't always work. So, you know, that, the idea that you might make them more angry, that's like a school yeah. thing. If the school bully hits you, don't hit him back, and make him more angry. Um, again, this is not school playground stuff. This is real life mm-hmm. adult stuff. Um, spear is Krav Maga. That was another one. Um, they're basically the same move. Um, I can kind of understand where people come from to a certain extent, but Krav Maga, and again, I'm not, not knocking it, I've, I've been through a, um, uh, a law enforcement instructor's program in Krav Maga. I've been very lucky to train with E.R. Yanilov. Again, I don't, I'm not a Krav practitioner, so I've got a very basic understanding of Krav. But Krav is still a complex motor skill martial art. It's still pressure tested. It's still, um, it, it's inverted commas, street related, if you like, but it still involves complex motor skills. Someone said, um, that the knife defense to the throat is uh, straight out of Krav. Um, check this link for a more advanced version well why would you want a more advanced version here's a more difficult complex technical way of doing it um you know i remember tony Blau telling me a story years ago when before he he um sort of traveled the world teaching he had his own martial arts or self-defense center that he trained at and someone was watching and went uh, i think that's an excellent women's self-defense class there i like i like what i saw do you have anything that suitable for guys and he's like, yeah, it's exactly the same program. The guy's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if I can make this work for smaller, weaker, on average females, wouldn't it work for a guy? And people always want the technical fancy, you know. And again, I'm sure you, if you haven't found this already, people, you, you will find this, that when you change the way that you teach your self-defense, do people want to be genuinely safe and be in a better position to protect themselves and their family? Or do they want a downgrade and a certificate, mm-hmm. and merits, and such like. People want, uh, in basic, I suppose, transactional analysis—that basic human psyche thing—they want a warm fuzzy. They want a certificate. They want a gold star. They want a black belt. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that has its its benefits. But don't confuse technical with tactical. Um, mm-hmm. you know, don't confuse the trademark with the truth. We often say you know, two people want the, something flashy, which is why people buy into bullshit like no touch knockouts and such like. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's a, a dangerous path to go down, um, and it's just going to get you hurt. Um, the movement, I think, they, that was demonstrated. I think they said there's a knife to the throat, and if the only thing I can move, like you know, my hands can't move because I'd see it, is to knock with the shoulder, that just happens to be the closest weapon, closest target, and the thing that will clear that weapon away. If you then turn that into something technical, um, you then could have 500 different techniques, and it's too much to remember. Just do what comes naturally. So, um, you know, are there similarities between spear and crav? Very, very on the surface very very uh, but no more than that if you scratch the surface um it's not comparing apples and apples they are apples and oranges they are completely different because there's even if you talk about martial arts have a similar movement pattern with the arms the process behind why we do what we do there is nothing right. like it to that right. depth um uh t- you need to practice it to become second nature that's the only way to be successful <laughs> that's great you know a lifetime of practice and i get again going into the General idea, and I'll perhaps talk about later if you want to about the difference between martial arts and self defense. Yeah, that's part of what the word jutsu means in jiu jitsu or karate jutsu or aiki jitsu, as it as it was. Um, it's a lifetime study. What if you get attacked tomorrow after your first class? You don't have a lifetime study. And also, again, be very careful you practice, you might get good at the wrong thing. I'm going to move this way. Well, what if that's not the best move? What if your best move triggers their, their best counter? You know, you need to do what's worse for the bad guy. Sometimes you can be so desperate to apply your style, your system, your art. You're missing the wood for the trees. There's other things there. (laughs) Buy a gun. That's another good one. Um, (laughs) Again, not always an option. Not all countries get to conceal carry firearms. So I'm assuming they're talking about lawfully doing it. Um, But again, it doesn't matter if you've got a gun. What people usually mean by that is, well, if I've got a gun drawn and pointed at you and I've got distance, then I'm safe. Um, how do you access your gun unless you've practised um, you know, combatives with it? So what happens on a range is very different to what happens in a, st- inverted commas, a street fight, a live self-defense situation where you need to try and access your firearm. If you've never practised accessing your firearm whilst the person is punching and kicking you, then you're going to come unstuck. Um, and again, more often than not, the person that says buy a gun is a, usually some gigantic fat guy <laughs> sat behind their keyboard who can barely see their gun for their stomach. <laughs> I could be generalizing a fraction, but... Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a possibility, and a, a pretty big one, actually. It's true. Um, specifically then, working with the, the principle of clear control and counter. You know, don't knock it away at clear, because then you've got to try and deal with a moving weapon, and you've moved it too far away. Again, um, there are some good points it raised with that. Uh, don't knock it away too far. What if the weapon's moving? Um, the positioning, you, you always use two hands to control. What if the other guy is trying to hit you? Their, their body weapons are still available. Mm. Um, quartering, the idea of not being in of like a fighting arc, so the 45 degrees, 11, 12, 1 o'clock to the front of you, if you like. And they're all good points. Um, to answer that, that, the movement between clear and control may be so small that it's barely perceivable.
0: Mm.
1: So it may look like you've just grabbed, but there's always a small clearing option. Uh, the rationale for that is... Is taking advantage of the startle clinch mechanism. And what I mean by that is if imagine you're facing somebody in a training, arena, a training arena and you're maybe two to three feet away from the other person and they've got their hands on their back. And in one of those hands, you don't know which one they've got a knife. So with their right hand, they lunge towards your stomach and you use both hands and you clamp uh, their wrist area. And they do that five or six times and you get much faster at it. And then next time they do it instead of lunging towards your stomach they slash towards your throat your initial response is to go towards where you think it's coming you're going to miss the angle where it's coming from mm. if you clear if you allow your startle flinch mechanism allow the airbag to deploy you will orientate your arms will orientate towards the threat and protect the area that's being attacked mm. then you can control it may be that the perception of it in terms of how it was filmed you can't even see the difference between the two it might be the clear and control almost become the same movement, but there's a definitive or definite intention of clearing, not allowing the weapon to be in a position where it can harm you. And that means clearing the weapon away, clearing you out the way. And again, you should always clear in a certain direction. You don't get that choice always. So um, it may be that, you know, let's say that a guy does a classic in training, a lunge towards the stomach with their right hand. And your movement is to use body movement. You pivot with your front leg your left hand blocks, you step out of the way. Um, try that when you're both stood against a wall and you can't move to the left. Mm. Or practice it when you're lying on the floor and the guy is above you. Um, the principle of clear control and counter works in any scenario, in any position, in any environment, with any weapon. Um, then the technique comes at the counter stage. In terms of if you're holding on with both arms, you know, uh, the other guy can use their weapons. Yeah, that's a good point. You won't always be holding on with both arms we would always advocate using two limbs to control one perhaps but that might be by wrapping the arm with your arms it might be by clamping the arm it might be by pinning it um it might be that you're operating inside the person's arms or outside the person's arms you don't always get a choice you get what you get Uh, the bad guy controls the fight absolutely right they can use their other other tools their other hands to punch and hit you Uh, that's a very fair point however if someone attacks you with a knife or threatens you with a knife, as will keep it to that at the moment because that's the scenario that we were talking about. If someone threatens you with a knife and you start to grapple with them and protect yourself against that knife, they are now fighting over a knife. So they're just as likely to use two hands to try and grab hold and stop that weapon being brought back towards them. Um, again, statistically, uh, if someone attacks you with a weapon or threatens you with a weapon, if they're disarmed in any way, they are more likely to try and run away. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of a... A proven fact if you like um as just as clear and control are so close together we're not going to do some big dance you know that we would we were talking and discussing some principles you might be clear and controlling for a second or two seconds or it might go on for some time the sooner you can start introducing parts of your body tools to parts of their body targets we're starting to be tactical uh, now that might mean that as soon as you've grabbed you drop the headbutt on them or you you know you you pin them and put a knee strike in so yeah absolutely start hitting them as soon as you possibly can don't just hit them though you know someone said "Have you not heard of a temi just use a temi strikes what's happening to this arm that's waving around you know one punch one kill <laughs> bullshit you know, yes you can hit people when they get knocked down but people take a serious amount of damage you know, people can be punched and punched and punched and don't care so it might be that you know um you can do that what if the guy's wearing a motorcycle helmet when he mugs you and again, I'm aware of circumstances where that's happened, and your move is I'd always go for the throat. I'd always punch them in the face. Well, good luck. You're going to get smashed up hand. It ain't going to have much effect on that person. Um, you take what's what's there, which is why a lot of the drills and the spearists we looked at, uh, Range Rover, uh, the ECT process, emotional Climate Training, looks at making you think outside the box, being a bit more open to ideas. Um, the demo wasn't realistic, but you're right. It wasn't realistic. It wasn't a demo. It was a, it was a conversation. Um, you know, if if that were a class, might a point with that there. But again, the key is pressure testing it. The key is, but you have to go through a process. You don't, um, you know, your first boxing lesson, they don't say stick some gloves on, get in the ring and spar. You learn footwork. You know, you learn body movement. You learn how to jab, punch, how to uppercut, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so the yeah, that I think that's a bit of a lack of understanding there. If, if you couldn't pick up that that was just two guys talking about some basic application of principles. You, know, you need to broaden your horizons a little bit which, without being too rude, but you know, I don't want to say the guy's stupid, but it's stupid. Um, someone else, they say a uh, great one um, create and maintain distance. How? Like you get the choice, like you can control it. If you can run away, run away. Um, but again, I don't understand how people think that so they can just suddenly back away and move away. Moving away from danger more often puts you in more danger. Mm. Um, and, and the last thing that really kept, kept to my head is, um, if you really need to defend yourself, you've got no chance. You know, if the guy really wants to cut you at some point, you, you're dead. What kind of process is that? So, so just <laughs> not to learn any martial arts of self-defense. Um, and again, it's, it simply isn't true. It's like mm. saying, uh, rule number one in a knife attack, you're going to get cut. No. Um, you might do. You might well get cut. There's a good chance of that. But in terms of your mindset, if all you're thinking is, I'm going to get cut, I'm going to die, you know, mm-hmm. Where's your motivation? If your expectations are so poor, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are you visualizing? You're stuck in a fear leap of, I'm going to get cut going to get cut. You may do deal with it afterwards, learn first aid, learn how to put a tourniquet on yourself, learn how to use the clothing you've got to try and stem the flow of blood if you have to. But, mm-hmm. um, there are plenty of people again, look on the internet who fight mm-hmm. back against people attacking them with knives or threatening them with knives as was our scenario it's say just a threat. It wasn't someone yeah. trying to stab us. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just nonsense. You know, if that's what you're going to accept, then your your children aren't going to see their father again. Um, Your parents aren't going to see their kid again. Um, You know, what if they're with your family? Well, my family are fucked, then bad luck. That's, that's nonsense. Um, Don't fight back. It it won't work. Uh, I don't understand why you'd be looking at something about self-defense. if That's your mindset. You know, for for that person saying that perhaps they're right. Yeah. Right. But don't project your limitations on anyone else. Mm. Mm.
0: One in, in relationship to what you're saying, uh, one of the most ins, ins one of those quotes, which inspired me most. I heard coach Blower say it in one of the talks, podcasts, I listened to, uh, that the question of what, with what level of imperfection will you become satisfied mm-hmm. with? I think I'm, I'm putting that right. Yeah. And that really like resonated, that really struck me. And, and I, when, when you talk about those, all those keyboard warriors, that were commenting, I hear, it almost sounds like a lot of them came up with this I, through their research, came up to this kind of a in-between answer, like give away what you have mm. and that's it. And, and they became satisfied with that, with that question. There's no more, but what about that? What what if? But What about that? There's something extra. There's something more. It doesn't always work, but some people really seem to like to just have that answer. Oh, that's that i have that box covered you know that's done no no live pressure testing no no questioning it it's it's really crazy i find and i, I think it's great you're you're, you're questioning that and uh, and kind of encouraging people to not stick with a just a blunt idea and uh, kind of somewhat answer So it, sense. It, is,
1: it is really important i think to to have a um a questioning mind you still you can still be respectful but mm you know if any student says you know, would that actually work your answer should be yes or no or uh, let's just pressure test it or yes i think it would and this is why not just you know Bow to your sensei <laughs> don't don't you dare your know, martial arts are a hierarchy a hierarchical system um you, you know it's the kohai senpai relationship from you know the japanese relationship you don't question that authority there's a good reason for that because no one wants to find out that what they're teaching is bullshit um, <laughs> It's, 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 sometimes it's as simple as that there's an element of i think people not wanting their power base to be criticized you know, if you're a 10th dan in whatever else and you're the, you're renowned as being the best at what you do at no point you're gonna is it, is it like you want to stop and go yeah do you know what that doesn't really work um so the, the spear system to about being like a scientific approach what i mean by scientific is it, it's reproducible it's testable you can challenge it you can try and we put a principle up on a pedestal you can try and knock it down um mm-hmm. Mind that there's a, uh, a story that Richard Dawkins, an evolutionary biologist, talks about where mm. his lecture at Oxford, lecturer at Oxford University mm. taught a principle of science, something to do with the brain work, I think off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly, for like a period of 15 years. And then one day he's at a, uh, like a lecture and someone disproved what he said. So it proved that what, you know, this guy was really well-renowned, he was wrong. Um, and he went up to that person, shook his hand and said, thank you. Thank you for proving me wrong. Thank you for contributing new knowledge. Would you get that in martial arts? Thank you for proving that my system doesn't really work. <laughs> Thank you for proving that actually, you know, I'm not making people safer. You're not going to get that. Um, so that's that's one side. The other side, I think, is that people always want to have, or quite often want to have um, someone else look after their their problems for them. Tell me it's going to be okay. So if I convince myself that actually, do you know what? Hand on heart, I, I don't really have much faith in my skills. I, I don't think this is going to work. Um, I don't want to tell anyone that, but ah, here's an answer. I'll get out of this because I'll just give the person my property, and that will end it. And the more I say that to myself, the more I convince it, it becomes like a self-fulfilling sort of prophecy. And that's my yeah. go-to answer. Don't worry, I'll give the that away to the person. And I can kind of hide my insecurity and my, my lack of ability behind that sort of shield, if you like. But the difficulty is, deep down, I know that it's nonsense. I know it's not true. You know the, the analogy I use in the course is that you know you, the world's not flat. Um, you can believe it is, and you can deny all the proof, but uh, again, I don't want to, another start another discussion. I don't think there's that, that many people in the world who genuinely believe the world's flat, and everyone in Australia is not actually in Australia because it doesn't exist. They're all an actor. And you didn't really fly there, and you know, everything is a big conspiracy by NASA. There's going to come a point where people go, "Come on, this is just silly." Um, but some people are so. Um, it's so invested in their systems mm. that again, you know, think about all the, the flack you've got for questioning something, how dare you, you know, tread on Osensei's grave. And it's like, no, you know, just, just being honest and just trying to say, does it work? Um, prove it to me in some way, pressure test it. And that should be the answer. Does this move work? Pressure test it. Put on some protective clothing, get some high gear on and pressure test it. Mm. Well, no, I, I couldn't because my technique's too deadly. That's right. your first bullshit sign straight away. I didn't want to hurt the guy. Another bullshit sign. Um, pressure test it. Um, and If people are unwilling to pressure test stuff and start coming up with answers like, what I do is too deadly. You can't do it safely. Um, they're probably lying to you or themselves.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the cogs which was turned in my head during the course of, of Spirit that you gave uh, together with Dan uh, was... That how far can people go to justify something rather than to, to really explore, to really find the answer that they can, people can up the craziest, most elaborate justifications, which can make even the, almost the person who says that justification make him almost believe it himself and make others believe it, but it doesn't make it the truth if it's not re- reproduced if it doesn't if it's not pressure tested if it's yeah it's, it's interesting that people have that habit of justification rather than experimentation or, or trying out
1: so, it's um it's one of those things it bothers me in terms of uh, i don't want anyone to be unsafe if you like so i don't want like, someone who's, who's spent the time investing in xyz martial art to then find out it doesn't work and it, and it harm them but i'll be honest that's, that's kind of their choice as an adult um, you know, I don't care from a spear system perspective, as, and as an ambassador for the spear system, I don't care how you win your fight, but I do care yeah. how you teach other people to. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, if you've done twenty years of XYZ martial art and you can make it work in, a, in the street, mm. brilliant, that's great. But your students can't necessarily. So again, going back to that hierarchical uh, pyramid shape, you've got you know the sensei at the top with their mm. tenth dan, and then they've got like a smaller group of head instructors, and under that, it's like everyone else. Everyone's desperately trying to get their black belt and whatever else, but if the only people in this group that can make it work, mm. you know, people always talk about, look at the way O-sensei moved, or and they, they quote like two or three great judo guys, and you think, that's great, um, and let's assume that the people that they were working with were truly resistant, and mm. weren't just playing the role of the good uke, as often is the case when you've got some 90-year-old grandmaster. Um, mm. If that's the case, that's great, but what if they all can't move like them? That's something we should aspire to. Yeah, I, I've got like a two-hour window to teach a class about for people who, you know, who need to be made safer. You, know, if, if you're, um, you, you, you can't fake endurance, so you, you can't make somebody safer physically with a move mm. in an hour, but you can change the mindset in an hour. Mm. You can give them a principle, a tactic, um, an idea to focus on um, in, a, in an hour. Um, and again, I'd, I'd highly recommend, if you look at the, the No Fear podcast, K-N-O-W, No Fear, from Coach Blauer. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, there's a like a sub of that called the no one special. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, he always used to get emails from people saying, hey, I'm not a cop, I'm not a military, I'm no one special, but this happened." The amount of people who have applied his the stuff that he teaches his learning um, in, in a really simple fashion. I got a bad feeling, therefore, I acted on. I did this, I followed this strategy, and you know, there's some incredibly inspirational people on that who have been through some really. Or avoided some really horrible situations. Um, he's getting emails all the time from people saying, "Hey, I I just did one of your classes ten years ago. This happened. Um, mm-hmm. It's incredible, absolutely incredible." What you're not getting is, you know, well, you do get it, but I don't think it's so true. I did just one lesson of X Y Z martial arts, and I was mugged. And you know, I did this. And you think, well, you know, I just did a, a one lesson of judo. This guy attacked me, and I just kept punching him in the face because of my judo. What, what what judo class do you go to? We got taught yeah. about punching the <laughs> face in the first session, you know, yeah. or um, it, it just people want to want to please their sensei. I think sometimes it doesn't really help. Um, Truth, sure. Well,
0: in relationship to that, uh, one question I wanted to ask as well, and this may I may form it in a bit of a tough and a bit of a difficult way, but maybe it it may, it may work. So if you would have to say kind of the, the worst misconception uh, in martial arts on what self-defense is? What gets misportrayed in, in the worst case? If you could change that one thing or address that one thing, could you narrow it down to, to something specific? Uh, I mean, maybe hard to do just in one thing. I mean, there's so much, but if, if that would be the question.
1: Um, I, I can narrow it down to two things, I think. Okay. Um, first thing is stop watching films. <laughs> movies um, because you know Aikido works well, how do you know that Well, because Steven Seagal did it in right, okay, no, that's choreography yeah, but Kung Fu works because Jackie Chan um, look at the outtakes yeah, those are arguably both very very talented people who work with other very talented people mm. and it's called choreography um, so there are very few fight scenes you know there, there are some people who are like um, Liam Neeson does it in Taken and Batman does it in his movies therefore it's real no it's choreographed Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely made up so uh unless it's cctv footage body cam footage dash cam footage it doesn't count um and again the, the second part of that if you like is don't confuse the categories because it's it links so within the spear system um coach Blauer came up with a description of four categories to explain this question if you like mm-hmm. um category one is all martial arts uh, judo karate uh, you know um Aikido, etc., etc. Anything with a a dode or (laughs) juice at the end of it, etc. Category two is combat sports, so the sporting elements of boxing. um, Tomiki Aikido arguably is a sporting Mm -hmm. element, um, uh, judo, boxing, kickboxing, etc. Category three is reality based self defense, which um, is category one and two, where people wear like combat trousers and say the word the street a lot and talk about eye gouging. It's the same thing as category one and two though, in most, uh, most, most fields and category four is real violence. If you understand the difference between the categories that will explain in my mind, uh, the, the difference between martial arts and self-defense, um, martial arts combat sports category one and category two have certain benefits, but they're mostly mechanical in terms of they teach you how to throw a good quality punch or kick or how to use your leverage against somebody or understanding how the body moves in terms of you twist a wrist this way or twist an arm that way um, they have conditioning benefits um, as, as you've noticed that you know think about how your body's changed how your your movements changed from doing something like MMA and BJJ where there's resistance compared to Aikido that's not to say there aren't some benefits of Aikido into sure. physical benefits um but they, they are very different from category one mm. to category two um, Category two won't give you um, awareness. So let's say you, you are, you know, whenever people have this discussion, someone's like, ah, oh, that's bullshit, put your spear system against my Thai boxing and I'll kick your ass. It, okay, I'll crap accept you know, that, that you know, you'll beat me. I don't, you know, I don't have a huge ego, that's fine, you'll beat me. It's completely relevant. it's not a one-on-one fight. Um, how does your martial art, your combat sport, whatever it is, um, raise your awareness of real life violence in terms of understanding pre-contact cues, pre, you know, it indicators that a person's getting violent, understanding a person's posture or body language. I don't mean fighting posture, but recognising that, you know, if, if you've got a guy uh, stood outside um, or, uh, a shop somewhere and he's leaning against the wall, one of his feet against the wall, hands in his pockets, and um, as you walk out with a bag full of shopping, the guy... Obviously, the wall, takes his hands out his pockets, and stands up, both feet on the floor. How is your MMA going to pick up on the awareness of that unless you're teaching it? You know, we we talk about, um, um, you know, you, your Aikido is lacking because um, you don't understand the teachings of O Sensei that um, you know Zanshin and Mai and, and all these kind of things. And quite frankly, they're just words. If all you say to somebody is, "Don't forget, um, have good awareness," don't forget, um you know. Check for escape. If that's what you're saying, you know, be mindful of the signs the person gives you when they're becoming angry. Well, unless you're practicing that and, and visualizing that, you've got no idea what they look like. Unless your training replicates real world r- real world violence and what the bad guy does, always come back to what the bad guy does and how they look. You are not practicing for violent encounters. You simply aren't. Um, the vast majority of stuff which is reality based self defence, which again it's kind of a ridiculous term if you think about it. You you don't advertise water as being wet or ice is being cold. Those are key ingredients in that description, if you like, if they don't meet that criteria, then, you know, water is not water, if it's not wet, and ice isn't ice, if it's not cold. Self-defense isn't self-defense, if it's not based in reality. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, doing some sort of move on the ground, in a gi, but saying the words, in the street, mm-hmm. and in a real life encounter, doesn't suddenly make it, fit for purpose, for a category four real, real violent encounter. Mm-hmm. Look at, um, uh, you know the spear system's got this that and the other which is an xyz martial art um tony blauer was coming out with this stuff in the uh, early to mid 1980s mm. um, yeah someone mentioned i won't mention the system but yeah the spear looks like this this system they're very 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 similar what do you think that is which came first you know um tony blauer's got a, a um spear university now where he's releasing some of the old old stuff and he jokes about how you know, the the 80s. Um, the 80s styles and your hairstyles and clothing and such like. But two things for me. One is look at the way the man moves. He's a phenomenal athlete. But more importantly, uh, listen to what he's saying. Look at the tactics he's coming out. Look at the principles. Um, Understand the the background behind it. He's so far ahead of his time. It's untrue. Um, And all the stuff that he said back then is still relevant and valid now. Um, And a lot of people have made good use of that. Some people are overt about it and quite honest vast majority of people aren't other through ignorance um because they don't realize you know, if, if their instructor says hey this is a good principle you know if, that's that's why it's always important to me that as i said before if, if i if i took out everything in my brain that tony blauer had put in there or um or it influenced i wouldn't have a great deal to to say so um like i said i'm, I'm just the cover band if like, i'm a spokesperson i'm not the guy coming up with this stuff um but if i didn't say that so i might go hey tony tamer knows this stuff <laughs> he's a good guy he's got some great ideas that's a good quote, that's a good tactic, that's a good byline. Um, it's not my material. Um, if, if, I, if I stopped being uh, affiliated and associated with Tony Blauer tomorrow, um, I, I wouldn't lose all my knowledge. And if I went out teaching his material um, without his permission, I wouldn't be any, I wouldn't have any S quality of my instruction. I'd just be an asshole <laughs> and, and I'd be dishonest, I'd be a thief. And there are plenty of other people like that who have um, followed that path, having been under the, the sort of the kind mentorship of, of Coach Tony Blower. Um, it's, just, it's just trying to be honest, really. You, know, you, you wouldn't disrespect your own sensei in that environment. So why do it here? But the main message for me is understand the difference, difference between the categories. Understand what the benefits are, what the limitations are of a martial art. Uh, look at what the bad guy does um, and understand real world violence the two are poles apart
0: mm. see so last two questions i have uh, written down and prepared so again the next one is still connected to what we what you just said so when a person realizes that the categories the four categories are different uh and a lot of people do start martial arts for self-defense they believe that's the way to go uh but then if a person realizes or we the world becomes clear okay these are different how would you describe the um, what's the role of martial arts in the modern world why why should they stay why should they stick around rather than just people go and train just self-defense what would what you what
1: would you perceive as the value of martial arts the um they don't have to be mutually exclusive in the sense that uh if you, if you understand the difference between the categories, you can make your martial art work. So if you look back to, I mean, my background is in Japanese martial arts primarily. So look at, look back to the way that the samurai um, operated. Uh, they had no choice but to learn how to fight because everyone, everyone was skilled everyone knows how to fight with a, with a weapon. And it's important in jujitsu, Ikea that they're all uh, jujitsu is a, a weapon based system. Um, one only you'd only use unarmed skills tied to when you didn't have access to those weapons or you're disarmed or you know, for any reason on the battlefield. Mm. Um, that's not the case now. So unless you're involved in the military or to a certain extent, police security, you don't need those skills for the same reason. Um, so you can still have functioning self-defense skills by martial arts. If you address those issues, we've already mentioned about, um, looking at, Ways that bad guys actually really do attack, and it's not by chops to the head, mimicking sword movements. Um, it's not by wrist grabs, unless maybe uh, you're trying to abduct somebody or such like. But generally speaking, that you know, there are certain ways people attack, um, which are quite common. Big haymaker punches, very common. Bear hug tackling type actions, very common. Uh, if you have something for like the speed system. Um, to, to form a foundation, to give you the bridge to the skills you've learned in martial arts, that makes the martial arts skills, the physical stuff, uh, useful. Um, there are massive benefits to martial arts in terms of um, physical development, um, in terms of um uh, want a better phrase I'd say spiritual development. Whether it's um, uh, character, I've think throw the phrase character to spirit. Um, but yeah, the samurai had a had a, a principle of. Um, the importance of uh, of education so that your martial art needs to be not only useful in a, a wartime situation, but it needs to benefit you in some way when you're not at war. And they, they refer to these two principles, um, which is that literature and martial art are of equal value, but separate and when they're the same thing. Um, and you, you can get quite lost in almost like an esoteric kind of, you talk about lots of principles. I'll be, someone said on that, that thing, I'll be one with a technique until you can't distinguish or discern you with it. And it gets to a point where actually that you're just disappearing up your own ass with philosophical bullshit, quite frankly. Um, but I understand where they're trying to get with it. Um, martial arts can develop your, 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 um, your character. They can develop you physically. Um, but you, you think that they're, they're byproducts in a certain way. So by learning how to fight... Um, you learn self-discipline, you learn respect for the other person. But it is in the same way that a physical fitness is a byproduct of martial arts. If you want to get fit, go to the gym, you know, start CrossFit, et cetera, et cetera, you know, work out. You will get fit as a byproduct of martial arts, but it won't be as efficient necessarily if you spend all that time working solely on your fitness. Um, You will gain discipline Mm. during martial arts but again, if you if you're looking at self-control, then maybe you need to go on an intensive course of meditation. You'll get more flexible. But if you want to get more flexible, do Pilates or yoga, if you like. These are all byproducts of martial art, if you like. Mm. Um, they they have their place. If 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 you learn, understand the difference, and learn how to apply it. So from my perspective, um, you know, when I started doing judo as an eight-year-old, I didn't think I'd make a career out of it. Mm. Um, and again, I was never a good enough judo player to make a career out of judo. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the, the background that gave me again thanks to having great uh, great instruction the background it gave me for doing jujitsu and then the importance that I had in my role in the police service mm. and then um, being able to apply it on a relatively regular basis and then being able to teach people it and then that massive massive step a you know, huge door opens up when you you apply the spear system to it and you start understanding real world real world violence you understand how oh. Um, everything that Tony Blauer has kind of viewed and had an opinion on at some point somebody has said you do realize that in the medical world we call it this so he's not made up anything he's not come up he's just incredibly um, observant and he's got a an incredible instinct for these things Um, so I'd, I'd say you carry on practicing martial arts in the same way that you have but just understand the difference between Do and Jutsu if you like Mm. Um, you're missing the point you know your Aikido is more than just physical movement it's all about developing your spirit and that's fine but that doesn't help you when someone's trying to punch your face in mm. so as long if, if you're practicing Aikido to develop your spirit that is fantastic mm. if you expect it to work in the manner that you've trained it in a real life encounter against somebody who's genuinely trying to hurt you um, don't be surprised when the skills don't work when the bad guy doesn't move like Uke's moved um, and that's that's not knocking any particular system that's just being honest Um, and again show me footage and a lot of footage of of that not being the case of a truly resistant person being thrown around like you see in you know in different dojos it it just doesn't happen Um, there's nothing wrong with practicing the movements we know that the moves work and again so I think um, I commented on a post you put on Facebook uh, which showed a guy doing actual Aikido in real life yeah Hmm. it was a guy doing Kota which has its origins in Jiu-Jitsu 100 years before yeah yeah and it has its um origins in Kumuchi and and, you know a thousand years before jujitsu um and every every grappling system has a similar move because you can only twist and bend Mm -hmm. the wrist in many ways um so we know the techniques work we know the arm locks work we know you can make people move in certain ways how you apply those locks those moves is um a completely different matter so again come back to clear control counter as an example as for that that video um once you've isolated a limb you control the person to a degree um once you've um you've achieved a a position of physical dominance over somebody to an extent and you're also emotionally and psychologically in control of yourself and again it's might take a couple of seconds then you can start applying techniques but don't expect the technique to suddenly appear out of thin air and if people say yes you're you're not practicing enough Again, you're living in a dream world. You're living in a dream world. It's no real difference. It's on a spectrum, but it's no difference to those no-touch knockout guys mm. who they get they go to another like a, another like an MMA gym, and funny enough, their skills don't work on any of these non-believers. Yeah. Or they will come up with some nonsense like, "Well, I think you had your tongue in a certain position on the roof of your mouth, mm-hmm. and you had your toes lifted," and they genuinely believe that. Um, and worse off, their followers believe it, which is mm-hmm. is criminal. Um, but it's no, it's just the far end of a spectrum where people say. When a bad guy attacks you like this, you're not saying, sorry, no, um, that, that never happens. Bad guys <laughs> yeah. don't attack like that. And it's like, um, you just don't understand. Well, bad guys don't attack like that. The, you could guarantee, going back to samurai, how they would attack, because when you're wearing armor, there's only such a, a range of movement you could work on. Right. Um, and you know, Jiu-Jitsu became it formulated in certain schools where some schools focused on percussion and striking, more so than some schools focused on grappling or arm locks or strangles, et etc. et cetera. Um, there's only so many ways you can move. Um, you know, the, the After a battle, Samurai would write down in, the, in scrolls, Makamono, um, how someone moved. You know, be mindful of this technique because you know, X amount of people lost their arms because their elbows were too flared when they did something with the sword to keep your elbows tight because... Um, you know, unless you understand that, that, that background and depth, um, they, they're just moved. You know, it's like applying a, a kata. Again, if you think, it will probably get a lot of heat for this, but if you honestly believe that is going to help you in a self-defense situation, um, I don't really agree. In fact, I don't really agree. I don't read it in slightest. I think again, kata in, in category one has its benefits in terms of balance, technical expertise. Um, if you want to try and apply these moves, which are hidden, you know, hidden in kata, um, get someone in a protective suit on, ask them to go through a role play, you know, uh, bump into you in the bar. Um, and you, the, t- the guy turns around to you and says, you know, what's your fucking problem? You're like, well, I'm, I'm really sorry. That's your starting point. That's how your fight starts. Mm-hmm. Not someone applying a stance and then going, okay, try and make this technique work. Um, here's a move I learned from Cat, which I need to s- unravel and unlock the secret method of, why are you trying so hard? It mm-hmm. like it's difficult.
0: Sure. Well, the, the last question I wanted to ask uh officially (laughs) that i prepared uh it's actually a question from a myself as a new still kind of developing self-defense spear pdr instructor Uh, and i thought maybe i could ask it off the record but at the same time i realized it's a great opportunity for people if, if, if i'll ask you that question it's a great opportunity for people to see how you think how you answer these types of questions when it comes to that, and I think it's a fairly simple answer uh, question in, in a certain degree. Uh, but the the question itself is, uh, if a woman asks you in a self defense class, in a spear in a spears, uh, class, how do you recognize an attacker? How do you yeah, how should a woman recognize an attacker? How would you how would you answer such a question? What what would your answer be, if I can ask force? course?
1: Um. I'm curious as to why why a woman why what's the difference between a woman recognizing an attacker and a guy recognizing an attacker?
0: So actually, so there's a background to this story, <laughs> of course. So I'm preparing uh, to give a class, a self-defense class, uh, where women, mostly women, will be involved, and I asked them to 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 let me know what questions are interesting for interesting for them. And one of the women I know is interested in that question. And I was kind of picking around my thoughts when I realized that that's the question. I was thinking, okay, what's What's the best answer? How should I answer it? And I know some of the layouts I would answer it, but you as a professional with so many years experience now, I was just very curious if you were in that situation, how would you answer? But of course, if, of course it doesn't have to be based on a woman. Uh, it can be just how do you recognize an attacker, a possible uh, predator, predator, mugger, etc. So because I have a few different ways my mind would go to answer such a question. So I'm very interested to know what,
1: how would you answer it? That question. Okay. It's a, it's a good question. Um, I'd say that initially the scenario dictates what's the scenario. So, um, if you are in a, a lift with somebody, um, we talk about detect, diffuse, defend again, detect might be, you know, if someone's in a lift, why they stood, why the guys stood right next to all the buttons. Because like, generally speaking, most people would press mm-hmm. the button and move away to allow someone else to come in to press the button. Why are they, are they doing that? You know what? If the lift was 10 foot by 10 foot, it's a big lift, you know, is it likely that guy's going to come and stand right next to you? So if they do come and stand right next to you, why is that? You know, the proximity. Um, anything which uh, breaks a social norm, a social barrier um, that makes you feel uncomfortable, um, you know, the way they look at you, um, mm. with their target glancing. Um, sometimes it can be alarm bells um, about the way they uh, you know, they, they ask questions of you. Mm. Um, you, know, uh, are you meeting anyone? That kind of thing. Well, what, what you mean is, um, if I attack you, are you going to have backup pretty close by? <laughs> is your boyfriend or husband close by, or a friend with a mobile phone? The scenario can be different if uh, if you're in a vehicle. So, um, uh, a, a good one in, uh, a simple, a simple thing. Um, if you are a lady going, it can be anyone, but a lady going back to a car in a car park. How many people will press the remote control on their car 20 feet away from their car? They walk up to the car, beep, and they unlock their car. All you've done is announced, Mm. that's my car. Mm. I'm walking towards it. Mm. It's unlocked now. So um, you've given a signal to other people. So um, that scenario is different, clearly, to the the elevator scenario. Mm. Um, I'd recommend more generally. Um, look at YouTube, look at videos of people that get attacked. What sort of things does the bad guy do? And common things like might be looking over shoulders to see who else is coming again. They don't want to get caught. They don't want to take too long. They don't want to get hurt. They want your property, your body, or your life. Um, look at the way that um, human beings move. So you've got that, that point when um, the, the outset, if you like, when you get a bad feeling. And the, the important thing is here is, is, not so much keep looking out for stuff as, as trust your instincts. I'd recommend all the people in that course, uh, buy the book The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker mm. um, it's like five pounds or something on Amazon <laughs>
0: it can save your life
1: <laughs> and it can save your life absolutely uh, he also wrote a book a variation called the, um, Protecting the Gift uh, for Kids um, some great information on that with uncommon un- un- sense really is if if you've got kids uh, or you're involved in teaching kids get that book simple okay. as that um, uh, understand in terms of um, the way you train when um, potential energy becomes kinetic energy, when that person starts to move, when their intention becomes action. And again, a big part of that is the training process. So ECT, emotional climate training, Mm. um, realistic role play, everything. So find a video of a real life incident where a lady's attacked. That gives you the buy-in of, hey, this is a a real incident. And and ECT the process. Go through those stages of recognizing how many what we refer to as a safe, safe, unsafe phase. If you like, what? How many opportunities? How many safes are there? You think I could have done something here? I could have done something here. Here's a chance. Here's a chance. Here's a chance. Um, because all human movement has certain commonalities. Um, if the bad guy does choose to attack, there's going to have to be some sort of movement of moving closer, proximity. You know, they're not going to try and grab you from 20 feet away. They have to walk to you to get in a grabbing distance. Um, there's gonna be movement of the shoulders, movement of the hips, movement of the knees, some sort of athletic movement, which suggests they're going to either grab or punch or you know, launch themselves towards you in some way. Um, I think women, women in a lot of ways have got some great instincts for this because um, not only do they have a beat into them or something hot by Hollywood that they've got, you, know, you could be a victim of, but I think women are much more aware of their potential vulnerabilities. Um, you know, if, if you asked, um, your average woman has it ever ever been the case you've ever worried about, for example, uh, becoming a victim of rape by being out late at night? I imagine that a large percentage of women have said, "Yeah, that's a concern I've had at some point." But if you asked your average guy, <laughs> they probably wouldn't say the same thing. But statistically, I think way more men are victims of violence in the street, if you like, in that that sort of um, that context, than women are. Um, Women obviously are, are statistically higher um representatives in terms of sexual assault. Um, that's because your average male is stronger than your average female. But also, male sexual assaults are also massively underreported. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these things still do happen. But a lot of people don't want to don't want to talk about it. Understandably, there's that socially, it's mm. still uh, a challenging topic. Um, I appreciate that so, again. A like lot most things is a very long-winded answer. But um, uh, I'll say, it's study human watch the videos. Um, and from those videos make realistic um, mm. uh, replications if you like so you go through a process where and there's, there's a lot of information I'd highly recommend to anyone have a look at the uh, look at YouTube for Tony Blair on the Spear System um, look at uh, the Facebook pages so Again, type in Tony Blair on the Spear System on Facebook mm. there's an awful lot awful lot of good information there mm. uh, check out Spear University mm. um, and, and specifically now to give you a very short easy answer to that when I talked about the the No Fear podcast and mm. the No One Special aspect, mm. there are two or three ladies on that who have um, been involved directly or indirectly with Tony Blau and his training. So they've gone through a process from there. Um, they've been to a seminar. And at some point later on, they become a um, subject of violence. Mm. Um, listen to what they have to say because you know, I'm not a woman who's been attacked. They are. Uh, mm. and they've got way more experience than I have in that field. The listen to what they say about the descriptions of the feelings they had, um, about the pattern of movement, the things the bad guys said. That itself, you can listen to that and and it'll save your life. Mm. Simple as that. It really is that simple. But I can't recommend that enough, you know, first hand knowledge of people who've applied this, Mm. uh, who aren't special forces, who aren't (laughs) police officers, who aren't MMA fighters, Uh, listen to these normal individuals, you know, no one special, but they did something incredible. Um, so I'd really recommend that as a resource for you and your students you yes. know, get the ladies to look at that. It's all freely available on Spotify.
0: Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Well, just to, to put a last point here uh, before I go to the summary, uh, I, I noticed how, in, and I had that in the past as well, and I'm going out of that phase of, but I noticed many people doing that too, of wanting that that defined answer. It's like, oh, a bad guy you know, it's one meter, 80 centimeters tall, <laughs> big shoulders, angry face, scars, or whatever. But it's not so much about that specific kind of formula, rather than it's about reading the situation and and, and seeing into things
1: uh, before they happen. Uh, would you agree with that, or...? yeah yeah, that's why we have three d's detect diffuse and defend detect Mm -hmm. danger so do some due diligence you know if you're going to a country which has got a high um uh high incidence of muggings you Mm -hmm. need to know the areas to look out for you know if you go to um go to a a resort in a country it says this is a gated compound do not leave this compound uh, because you're going to get mugged and murdered then you're an idiot if you leave that gated compound because Funny enough, you might get mugged and murdered. So um, you know, detection can be at that broad stage. It can be just something as simple as, um, we talk about your know, instinct, intuition, which you follow those instincts and intuition do something intelligent, those three I's. Um, your body's got a fantastic built-in self-defense radar. To, like, just mm. listen to it. Um, you know, one of the things that Tony Blauer often says is that every single person who ever got involved in a violent encounter who survived it always said, I had a bad feeling. There was something that wasn't quite right. Now, quite often, people just don't do anything with that bad feeling. Um, you know, I, I had um, a, uh, a student of mine years ago. I used to run a martial arts class, and she used to travel around the world a lot. She was tiny. She was like five foot tall at, at most. And she made a point. She said, whenever I travel, I always tie my hair up. So it, it's partially to stop it being used as a handle, grabbed. But even if that's unlikely, it puts me in the mindset. As soon as I put my hair up, I'm thinking, you know, choose safety. And that's one of the things in the spirit system we always say is choose safety. Safety self-defense is taking yourself out of the situation if you can, not being there in the first place, detecting that danger. But if she was walking down an area where she thought, I'm not sure where I am, she wouldn't keep going. She would stop and turn back around until she went to find somewhere she didn't know where she was, which seems obvious, but how many people keep going further down that maze if you like, I'm not sure where I am, I'm hoping that I'll find somewhere, eventually I'll magically become unlost. Um, so you detect danger if you can, detect, understand what danger is, and figure out how you can make it uh, be brought into awareness um diffuse the situation can you make it less dangerous choice speech um you know speaking to the person uh distractions um it, it can be something really as simple as um you know if uh if some guy says you know what how how could a guy like you you know, defend against a guy like me and you say you know you're exactly right mate you're much bigger than me that's why i always carry a fucking big gun sorry yeah and you know, Something like in the States, that's certainly a very believable thing. Cause a lot, a lot of people do commit firearms. You know, that, that might be, it might be something as simple as, um, you know, just trying to distract the person. And, um, you know, the, the classic, if you like, is the, the ATM strategy that Coach Blower talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone tries to mug you and, you know, you, you put your cash machine in the, the ATM, you see some guy. So you put your cash card in the ATM. You see some guy behind you, and you press cancel and start wailing at the machine. You the fuck's my money gone? You know all my credit cards are cancelled. This is bullshit. Uh, then it, they're not going to try and monkey anything. You have got nothing. Again, uh, quite a lot of people have used that strategy on this you No know, Fear podcast. They describe male and female um, in various situations using a variation of that strategy to devalue themselves. The, the, the defend bit is the last bit. This you. Know, You've missed opportunities to not be there in the first place. You haven't got to talk your way out of it, or you know, try and convince the person. You know, if if someone's, you know, if you if said to somebody, um, you know, look at all these videos around here. I've got you know, everything's on CCTV. Everything's being recorded. You know, is that going to deter the person? No, no one wants to get caught. Generally speaking, it might do. It might not. Um, but there's an awful lot of um, chances, if you like, before you get to that hands-on stage. If you think of self-defense being something purely physical, um, you've missed the point, you really missed the point. Um, you can make someone safer by talking to them in an hour, you know, just by giving them an idea, a strategy, um, you, but you can't fake endurance. The difference between capacity and potential, you, you can't suddenly become better. Um, capacity is what you've got, you know, potential is what you could have. You can change someone's thought process got a fly here. <laughs> um, you can't make someone fitter. You can't make someone technically better, just like that. Um, but unless you understand that, uh, unless you... I always refer to it as being that spear filter. Understand how human beings behave physically and mentally and emotionally and psychologically. If you understand that, you've got an idea of um, a, a foundation for learning self-defence. It's got nothing to do with if a bad guy attacks you in one of these fanciful ways... Um, you know, and you spend hours and hours learning how to do stuff. You're getting good at the wrong thing, stuff that's not going to help you in a real situation.
0: Cool. Well, this was then. Thank you very much for the answer. <laughs> and this was the the last official question. I Had and while I'm thinking my in my mind, this this is such an endless endless subject. So I wouldn't be surprised if if there would be an inspiration point. To, to continue the subject somewhere in the future. But also, there's only that much information that anyone who listens to this can, can get into their brains at a single time. Uh, but with all that said, all, with all that uh, you shared, is there anything else you would be inspired to kind of put that cherry on the top of the, of the cream? Or is there anything else you would be inspired to, to leave for the audience to, to, to think about or to just hear? <laughs>
1: The main things, I guess, I'd say to people: keep an open mind. There are some people who um, are going to comment on every single one of your posts on YouTube um, and call you an asshole. And no matter what, you can give that person a secret to eternal life and they're winning lottery tickets, and they'll still say you're a dick um, because that's who they are and who they want to be, and you can't change that. Um, there are some people who are going to l- listen to the explanations I've given to the questions raised on that uh, YouTube clip and go that kind of makes sense. I got that. I understand what you're saying. Some people still want to understand it. And some people are still going to say, bullshit. You you need to go and learn XYZ system because we'd kick your ass. Um, and again, uh, that crack, that's fine. Crack on. I'm not going to spend my time trying to convince people, you know, it's like playing chess with a pigeon again. If you want to knock over all the playing pieces, puff your chest out and shit all over the board, you carry on. I can't stop you being a pigeon. It's in your nature. Um, you know, you're a rat that flies. Um, that, that's absolutely fine. But keep an open mind. Challenge things. Uh, the main thing for me, start looking at all your martial arts demos, whether it's on um, YouTube or whether it's your instructor. Watch what the bad guy does. Um, by all means, be amazed at the technical prowess of the good guy, but look what the bad guy does. Mm. Um, don't confuse the categories. That's a biggie. Um, and in terms of the spear system specifically, a couple of people said you know i 'm kind of skeptical about the spear system good, you should be you should be skeptical of everything you, know, you should be in, in, intelligently question things yeah. um don't take anything on on face value that doesn 't mean you have to be a dick you know um but i 'd say if you're unsure about the spear system, um try and find a course yeah. Um, yeah. Speak to somebody who actually knows what they 're talking about uh that 's a, a frustration i 've had i 've been to um other police forces in the u k um and you say, oh, do you use the spear system? Yes, you know, we do. And, you know, How does it go down? Say, well, the students think it's shit. Really, you know, we've had some great results, but also the feedback we get is fantastic as well. Um, and then you see them teach it, and you're I get it, yeah, that, that's shit. <laughs> you know, you're teaching it really badly. Um, and you see that with any martial art. There are some people who are practitioners of any art who are very good at what they do and some who are very bad at what they do. And they do a disservice to that, that system or art or style um, by being poor practitioners. Um, but in terms of the spear system, which is again um, a thing for me that underpins everything that I personally would do, not only as a, a practitioner and in a role where I've I've been forced, I suppose, to use martial arts skills, if you like, in, as part of the uh, the duty of a police officer, if you like, to step to in in into a dangerous situation, for a better phrase. But more importantly, my role as somebody who teaches other people to do that. Um, be be mindful from an intelligent perspective of criticising something you don't understand. Um, so, if all you understand about the spear system is people flinch, you can't teach people to flinch. And nothing to do with the spear system. We're teaching you to recognise the flinch, um, incorporate the fact that it will happen, and more importantly, convert that startle flinch because it's a fantastic. Again, it's that free airbag, uh, that free chance to here it comes and wind up. Um, it it loads ballistic properties in your muscles It's a fantastic tool you know it's going to happen as well so i don't care who you are um i know for a fact that an unexpected stimulus introduced to you no matter how skillful you are you're going to flinch in a real situation Uh, and you you can say as much as you want no it won't um i know for a fact it will for a fact to a certain extent it's going to happen um should you train other martial arts afterwards yeah absolutely Mm. as long as you recognise. their value but you, know, you you can't be too good a grappler or too good a striker definitely train uh, trained sensibly train diligently but I'd, I'd recommend the big thing is understand the difference between the four categories keep an open mind in doing so because you can sit like this your fingers in your ears shouting la 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 i don't want to listen um but you know, the, the earth isn't flat um you can keep saying it is but it's not um in metaphorically speaking you can say that your, your martial art is the most ultimate dominant martial art and um, uh, I can't do the xyz technique because it would be too deadly and I don't want to kill people or um, my martial art is based on um, on trying to control people with peace brilliant that's right you, you know that's again it's a lovely idea but quite frankly in terms of violence it's nonsense utter nonsense um, you know you, you try and apply that to principle to in you know, the second world war we'd be all under the, the Nats of if you like you know let just, just send a message of peace to him you seems a nice guy but we'll beat him using the spirit of peace uh, I appreciate I'm being facetious but it's you know, there's it, still bullshit but um, there's so much material like the spear system out there official material mm. uh, freely available look on YouTube Tony Blower, uh, Blauer B-L-A-U-E-R uh, spear system look it up there's so much information there if you're not quite sure about something um, do further research you know, don't watch a five minute clip and go don't get it yeah. Uh, do some more research into it. And ultimately, um, get yourself on Facebook. Ask a question. Yeah. You know, it, it might, uh, just try and be intelligent with it. Some people will get this, some people will understand and, and, and take the, the, uh, take the challenge. Um, other people will be threatened by it. You know, how dare he say that my martial art doesn't work? And he missed the point entirely. Like, you can't change that person's mindset. Um, that's entirely up to them. Uh, but say keep an open mind, be intelligently critical. Um mm. but don't deny the evidence because when the evidence is there um, you know it, it's kind of hard facts The only reason I'm here uh, saying the sphere system is great like right? it's nothing to do with me personally although I, again I've got great physical benefits from it and mm. uh, d1 d2 skills as well as the d3 stuff which is just important um, I've seen the result it has when you apply it to other people's training mm. um, and again re- results that are repeatable over and over and over again, beyond any complex skill system. Um, it works for anybody at any time.
0: Cool, great. Well, uh, so in a second, in a moment, I'll stop the recording before yeah. I just, uh, just uh, want, to, want to have a quick chat before we end, completely end. But before I stop the recording, I wanted to thank you very much for your time, for your answers. I also wanted to thank you very much for bringing me into this world of self defense and and spear system. I said this to you personally, but I want to say publicly too. I mean, it's, I felt like uh, both you and Dan, the the instructors in the course that I did were like the perfect, the perfect ones for me to, to get into this realm. So thank you very much for all of that and for sharing this tonight. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me. It's my privilege. And again, I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to, um, some great material you know it's, it's a huge privilege for me to be able to present Tony Blower's material um, and and be trusted by pass on his life's work so it's mm. um it's easy being a good cover band when you've got great music to, to play
0: <laughs> still not easy still not easy <laughs> but I see your friend thank you. Cool.